You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Um, good afternoon. Doing well. Uh, how about yourself? I'm not doing too bad. Today's one of those hot days, and I'm just, mm. ugh. I, you know, I, I just don't know. It's not as hot as, as what people would consider it to be in the U.S. from, like, the Midwest and things like that. I mean, this isn't really hot, hot. It's just annoying. You know, it's one of those t- kind of days. But... I actually I went <laughs> went into town today for a little bit, and as I was in town, I, I went to you know a couple of different shops to buy some stuff, and I went to the sports store. I thought, all right, you know, I'm I'm here, I'm I'm right next to the sports store, and I'll go in and see if there's a shirt or something. So I go in, and as I'm walking around, right at the end, right, you get up to the uh, the cash register, right, just as you get up there, there is this pile of stuff in like this, you know, those like little boxes, like the last thing on the checkout, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Off to the side of the checkout counter is all these different mask designs that you can get. And they had these, um, they, of course, they're all like cotton masks and everything. And they had this one. It was like the the neck thing. You know, the thing goes around your neck, but you just pull it up, you know, kind of like the Antifa uses. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They want 20 bucks for that thing. 20 bucks for this wow. little piece, for this little piece of fabric that goes around your neck. Yeah, that you just lift up, right? Which you wear those in the winter anyway, right? Just to keep your neck warm. It's like a little scarf, but it's not a scarf. It's just a, a thing that goes around your neck. Like a neck gator or something? Yeah, yeah, neck gator. That's, that's what it is. 20 bucks for that thing. I could not believe it. I thought, hey, this looks pretty nice. You know, I mean, it's just it's nice and stretchy. It's going to, you know, cotton and uh, polyester. I thought this would be nice to have for winter. 20 bucks, 20 bucks for that thing. Not happening. Not for 20 bucks. It's the same thing. A handkerchief, man. That's That's all it was. That's all it is. It's a handkerchief with the seam line on it. That's all it is. It's ridiculous. Anyway. All right. So where would you like to start? (laughs) Do do you want to talk? Let's let's talk about some. um, I want to I want to go back to East Germany. I mean, I'm sorry, New York City. Uh, I want I want to go back there. (laughs) Uh, well, that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, that's what's going on. The checkpoints, the fining, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, that's what they yeah. did in in the, in the old east, right? The east east part of uh, uh, of Germany here. That's what they did. So it was checkpoints and fines. That's that's how it was. And you're not really paying attention to who in New York. You're not paying attention to the bums. You're not paying attention to the uh, uh, to the rioters, the looters, any of that stuff. You're not paying attention to those. But oh boy, if you come out of your hotel room, they're going to fine you. Although I really didn't want to talk about that. Uh, I wanted to talk more along the lines of Cuomo, right? We talked about Cuomo a little bit yesterday, and Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about him over the last couple of days. And this debate is now getting to be more and more common in in news headlines. And that is Governor Cuomo. Governor Cuomo has been accused of allowing COVID patients back into nursing homes. And then, of course, with all of the, uh, the, uh, the COVID cases in the nursing homes, it just kind of spread through there like wildfire and killed all those people. Now, the number that we've seen is uh, around, I think it was like right around 6,400, I think is what it was. And to go from that number, now the New York State Legislature is launching an investigation. And we knew that was common. I mean, we started talking about that last week, but now right. it started. Uh, it started just a few days ago. And now the first uh, headlines of that are starting to come out, which, to be honest with you, 
the New York State Legislature, I mean, I don't know anything about them, but I, I, like I said, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But witnesses, and when I say witnesses, I'm talking about specifically like people that worked in these places and people that are family of the ones that were lost are now coming out. They're testifying. The New York Health Commissioner actually walked out uh, when one of the family members was one of the family members was actually giving testimony. So uh, what's happening now? Now they're saying that those numbers could be upwards of, are you sitting down? Could be upwards of 20,000, 20,000. The catalyst for Monday's hearing was Governor Andrew Cuomo's nursing home mandate back on March 25th, which Bruce, do you have anything you'd like to pretext with that on March 25th about his executive order on basically the backstory of what that is? So basically it ordered uh, COVID positive patients to be quarantined in retirement homes. You know, I, I, I don't need to explain to people that we're supposed to keep that age group safe and quarantined away from COVID-19 because that was supposed to be the most vulnerable to COVID-19. But he decided to import coronavirus into retirement homes. And also part of that, and he did it knowingly, knowingly. And a part of that is... The fact that if someone from the retirement home caught COVID-19, required hospitalization, went to the hospital and then died at the hospital, that is also not counted as a retirement home death, which, you know, those those two go together. That was part of the same ruling. Families who have lost someone in a New York nursing home the past few months have no doubt in their mind that Cuomo is dangerous. Right. His dangerous policies put their loved ones in the grave. That's what they say. And I'd be honest with you, I, I can understand their frustration. Asked by the panel if he felt was being heard by the state government, long term care community coalition executive director Richard Mullet said no, he was right. Zucker, who is the state of New York health commissioner, Howard Zucker, he didn't stick around to hear any of the testimony. He walked out. Like I said, if he had stayed, he would have heard some horrifying tales. One by one, witnesses explained how their loved ones had been mistreated in New York nursing homes who were following the guidelines of Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration. By now, most are aware that Cuomo's mandated long-term care facility uh, accept COVID patients discharged from hospitals, like you just said. For Mary Beth DeLarm, she hadn't been notified that her mom had died in one of the facilities, as she explained in her written testimony. She learned of her mom's death by reading about it in the newspaper. Wow. So I'm not going. Should I go down her testimony? Well, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, how can you like you're how do you not know that? But it makes sense because you can't visit. You're not allowed yeah, you to can't. visit uh, your, but, your family I mean, you in think. retirement homes or in the hospital because of COVID. Yeah, but aren't they supposed to notify you? But I mean, I, I guess I as mean, fast as they were dropping in there, I mean, my goodness, you know, that's true. True. That's just anyway. Should I read her testimony here? It's not very long. It's only a few lines here. Sure. She says that as questionable. Uh, see, she's asking for an external investigation as questionable as why New York State is not demanding an external investigation on why any family member experiencing serious issues with a nursing home patient would be denied assistance from the Department of Health or Attorney General for our state leaders to turn their backs from protecting citizens and neglect abuse and death is alarm for reform from top lawmakers down to the individual employee. Major stories appearing on Diamond Hill and other failing homes, disgusting conditions and poor patient care, pre-existing and ongoing COVID. As the nursing home failed to communicate with me on my mom's condition throughout COVID, I watched fatalities rise on the news, gleaning if my mom could be one of the ones affected. Five days after the fact, I learned from a newspaper that my mother had died. It was tragic. Not only was I not informed of her death, but that my mom was cremated within 24 hours with 
without being tested for COVID is astonishing. The failure wow. to yeah, right? The failure to obtain actual numbers of COVID cases without testing patients and instead labeling death certificates as natural causes is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable in my opinion. So she like many other people, don't believe the Cuomo administration when they say that they don't know the actual number of nursing home deaths. If this is what was happening to all of the families, then they should be out there demanding an investigation against him and his entire administration for allowing that. And didn't you say, which uh, they made reference here to the long-term Care Community Coalition Executive Director, Richard Mullet, he was one of the people that were shouting, hey, you've got to stop this. We can't be taking these people. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that was a frequent thing. And it, the, also the, the, uh, was it the health director that walked out during that, um, the New York state was health, it? the New York state health director, Howard Zucker is the one that walked out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my understanding is he and Cuomo actually don't get along well. Um, they're, they're, um, well, let's just say he doesn't like Cuomo at all. So that's my understanding. This woman said an, an external investigation should be done as to why the state would accept this, as they've accepted so much of the abhorrent maltreatment to patients. COVID-related infections and death numbers noted by New York State from any hospital or nursing home or health-assisted facility are obviously higher, much higher. I'm hearing from authorities they're thinking close to 20,000. 20,000. Okay, the numbers of 20,000, if you're talking about 20,000 dead, then you need an external investigation, and this needs to be I think you pursue capital murder here, right? Accessory to murder on top of that for every person that was involved. That's what you do. Another common denominator in these testimonies is a question. When will there be a real independent investigation of how Governor Cuomo's mandate affected nursing home deaths in the state of New York? So the next New York State nursing home hearing, this time focused on upstate New York, will be on Monday, August the 10th. So four days from now will be the next one. So we knew that there was going to be one on the 3rd, and then we knew that there was going to be one on the 10th. So this was done a few days ago, and we'll probably hear back from that on the 10th. But honestly, I think you bring in federal investigators on this. You bring in the FBI. That's what you would do. This is the other... This is a... Like, this is bad, man. You're, you're talking about 20,000, upwards yeah. of 20,000 dead, right? Because of your yeah, BS policies. Is, yeah. Like, you knowingly signed that order, knowing you were going to put infected patients in nursing homes where you had vulnerable people. Right. Okay. So Americans need to understand that there's five governors that did this, right? Five states did this. Now, New York is the worst because not only did they do that, but they also are hiding the numbers. Uh, so, you know, if uh, uh, someone from a retirement home, like I was saying, dies at a hospital, it's a hospital death, not a retirement home death. So they're they're really saying, oh, no, we're we're 35th um, as far as retirement home deaths. No, I'm uh-huh. sorry. You're number one across the board. Um, so anyway, they're 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 trying to, to cover that up. Now, the other states that did that, they actually didn't cover. They're not covering up their retirement home deaths like New York is. So that that's at the very least, you should uh, honestly go for New York. But I would say go after all five of them, because even if it's gross negligence, we have laws for that. When you when you accidentally kill someone <laughs> and we have laws covering that. So I don't see how these how these government officials are getting away with signing bills to to put people in uh, it, it it got people killed how is this okay and it, we're not we're not talking just like one or two people we're talking thousands of people got killed because of their negligence or because of their uh, I, I 
was it malicious? I mean, what what was their intention here? Can you federally indict a governor? I mean, okay, we're we're not talking about we're we're not talking about some bad policy that caused a few businesses to close here, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about human life. This is a little bit more of a uh, a step up when it comes to uh, a matter of prosecution. So you can't just let this go. You say, okay, well, that's a state governor. You can't touch him. Well, if his policies kill people, then yes, you can. Sorry, no one is above the law. I believe you can. Yeah, I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah, because we we have some that are were in the past. All right. Well, I'm anxious to see the next hearing, uh, and I think that there needs to be an external investigation. Now, whether you bring in feds, now I, I here's the here's the thing: you need to make sure that they're on the straight and narrow. Right. There's a lot of uh, corruption in the FBI. I'm not saying all of them are bad. You've got good agents in there. Of course you do. You know, I've worked with with some of them. They're great people. But uh, the higher up ones, you need to make sure that they're not involved in any of this. And on top of that, you got to put justice on it. Right. You got to hand down federal indictments. I'm sorry, but you do. You do. Yeah. So if the New York state legislature doesn't get anywhere on it, because these are just preliminary hearings. So if they find that there's any evidence of wrongdoing, then they're going to take action. But I don't have enough. I, I want to believe in the state of New York, right? I, I want to believe in that. I want to believe that they're actually going to do what's right here. But I'm not entirely certain that they will. I hope that I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope that they will do the right thing. But until they do the right thing, I'm skeptical. And I think that uh, I think everyone should be. <laughs> from from the southern Midwest, uh, my perception of New York is that's mafia town. So my first impressions of whether or not it'll 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 um, be taken care of legally is is let's just say dubious. <laughs> All right. Uh, OK, so 20,000. We mentioned the number there, 20,000. Now, I, I wanted to go over 20,000. We talked about something a few days ago in, the, in regards to 20,000 people, and it wasn't nursing home deaths. We come to find out, I think we were a little off on those numbers. And the reason I say we were a little off on those numbers is because we got some different shots, different angles of what that 20,000 was supposed to be. There was a protest in Berlin, Germany, a few days ago about all these COVID regulations. The media came out and said that there were 20,000 protesters that took to the streets of Berlin. 20,000. Okay. <laughs> now, mind you, I'm on the ground over here. And I mean, I, I do see the news reports and things that come out, if you want to call it that. I do see the news reports and things that come out. There wasn't really a mention anywhere about a protest in Berlin about COVID. Nothing. The policies, rather. There was not really any, any coverage about that. And I thought, okay, well, that doesn't really surprise me because if people see that there's an actual movement on, well, then that tends to gain steam and people get behind it and people talk about it in their circles. And that looks really bad on the government. All right. It doesn't matter what country you're from. But more to the point, the American press had picked it up. A couple of outlets out of uh, France had picked it up. And we talked about it here. Didn't really make any of the American press, I don't think as far as people seeing what was actually going on. I don't think anyone, any of that really got caught. But the shots that we saw out of other media outlets here was just kind of like a sparsely populated street somewhere with a few people down there and not really much else. It said that the protest had 20,000 protesters, right? 20,000 protesters on the streets of Berlin. But the event had over 500,000 organizers. As we thought more on that, we thought, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. If you have 500,000 organizers and only 20,000 show up, that's what the media was reporting. So what, did 480,000 of them just suddenly lose interest after they decided they were going to plan something? So it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So then we started looking around online and we found photos of the actual 
protest that happened in Berlin. And the numbers that we saw were quite shocking. Now, if that's 20,000 people, or if those shots were 20,000 people, then I will eat my hat, right? <laughs> if those shots are 20,000 people, what they meant to say was that they reversed those numbers. That's all they did. That's all they did in that case. What you had were what looked like 500,000 protesters and 20,000 organizers. That's what it looked like to me. What did you think, Bruce? Mm -hmm. I, I have to agree. Uh, that was a sea of people. There were a lot. Multiple blocks were covered in people. And, and an entire bridge. Shot, yeah, an entire bridge. The shot was, it looked like it was a drone or a helicopter up high. And the zoom was not close enough for you to see their faces. So, you know, it gives you an idea how far the zoom was. And it was just a sea of, I mean, there was just blocks and blocks were covered it, I mean, packed full of people. There was a lot of people there. It looks here like uh, I'm just I'm looking at that. I'm looking at one of those main shots there. It looks here like you've got all the side streets are covered. The main roadway across the bridge and everything, that's all covered. We're talking about a four lane bridge here. Yeah, not not just a simple one lane across like a pedestrian bridge. So everything was covered. And I asked Bruce, I said, does that look like 20,000 people to you? And he says, maybe standing at the corner somewhere. <laughs> but that's right. That's, that's not. No, that's um, no. What they did. This is how disgusting the media is. OK, first of all, first of all, shame on the German press for not covering this. OK, that's the first thing you people ought to be ashamed of yourselves. All right. That's the first thing. The second thing, you so-called news outlets in other countries that covered this, you people are disgusting. You're disgusting. You're shameful. You reversed the numbers. That's exactly what you did. The Germans put 500,000 people in those streets. Now, 500,000 people in one protest. OK, now you think about that. You think about that. BLM can pull what? 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. They're not pulling those kind of numbers. America can pull 500,000, but I don't think we even mm -hmm. pulled that at the Tea Party event, did we? I wanted to say that it was like 200 and some thousand there. So. Uh-huh. Okay. You got a German population here that knows what the score is, okay? These people have been through totalitarianism over the last hundred years, both sides of it. So they know what the score is. You had people of all walks of life out there in that crowd. You had far right. You had far left. You had middle of the roaders. You had everybody out there coming together as one saying, this is enough. And what'd you have? What'd you have? We talked about it there. What, what'd you have? You had organizations coming out there, calling everybody that was out there a bunch of Nazis. Are you going to hear anything on the news about 500,000 people? The Germans pull a half a million people on a whim out of 20,000 organizers. Oh, and they did that on social media too, by the way. Don't you think they're not going to figure out how to shut that one down? That's how they organized. 500,000 people headed up to the capital of the country to push back on a government peacefully on their BS policies and people standing up for their rights. And you have a nerve to go out there and shout them down. What does that say about you if you're that kind of person? So I got to give the Germans credit, the ones that went out there. 500,000 people. That's that's huge, man. That's that's huge. Once we saw what they did, we knew we had to come back on and talk about it again, because that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. That is that is next level garbage out of the media. That's what that is. That is next level yeah. garbage. How dare you pieces of trash? You people are shameful. You want to know why no one pays attention to your crap except for the truly stupid is because you put out nonsense like that and don't think, OK, well, yeah, all right. Well, they're just they're just doing what they think is. Don't give me that garbage. They're doing exactly what they're told. If people see through the nonsense of this, which clearly these people here do, and I got to I got to hand it to them. If people see through the nonsense of this, 
if people push back on this, if people stand up and say, hell no, we're not doing this. We got other things to do. We don't have time for your games. Then all this is over. I've been saying this for months. This is the end game of the establishment in the West. Their time is over. They're at end game. They've got nothing else left. Governments don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. All they have at this point is power. That's all they're going for. They don't have plans on education. They don't have plans on the economy. They don't have policy. They're just doing what they're told. And it's all headed for January. That's the convergence of all this. They're trying to figure out how to hit the reset button. So governments are being told by these heads behind the scenes, maintain, maintain. That's all you need to do now is just maintain. This is why we're not seeing any solutions. This is why we're not seeing any policy other than, well, if we do this, then we get here and and uh, we will hit this milestone and then we're doing this and then we're maintaining this because we know that this is effective and we know that this is working and well done to the people for getting us to this point. But you notice it never ends. It never ends because if it ends, they end. So they can't allow it to stop. And there's only one way they stop. And that's when we, the people, stand up and say, you people are done. You're done. That's when it stops. So again, hats off to the Germans. Well done. Don't think that that's going to be the last time because more of that needs to happen. Uh, you know, that, uh, that protest is more American than what some Americans are doing. <laughs> Honestly. It is. It um, is. And I, man, it gives me goosebumps just looking at that. Just looking at those photos, man, that gives me goosebumps right there. Uh, I, I want to know where where the American people are and, and protesting. And no, I don't mean the rioters. Uh, I mean, actual protesting. Uh, That's these, an actual protest. These That's an actual protest yeah. right there on the streets exactly. of Berlin. That's a protest that no, there were there were no casualties. <laughs> there were no burnings of anything. Nothing got burned down. No businesses got smashed. Nothing. That's a peaceful protest of a half a million people. Yeah. And we the, the other thing, which it, to keep, put in perspective, that would be like um, in my my home state, the entire city of Tulsa, which is the largest city in, in Oklahoma, it would be the entirety of Tulsa city limits going out and protesting and adding another hundred thousand on top of that. That that's phenomenal. Anyway, where's the American people on this? I, I, I'm I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. And, and the fact that we have to specify and don't fall into this trap. Uh, don't let them reset our, our wordage on this. And I'm, I'm meaning America in general. They're saying you have to qualify protests as peaceful protests. No, I'm sorry. Protest is peaceful, period. There is once it's no longer peaceful, it is now a riot. And that is the qualifier. You know, l let's not fall into the peaceful protest thing. I, I know we say it here and the media says it, but I hate that we're following into that because there is no such thing as peaceful protest and protest is peaceful. And when it's not, it is now a riot. So it's inherently it is. And they're just trying to change the narrative and everything. And I, I don't I don't like that. When you start changing the wordage, the, the First Amendment gives you the right to protest. When you start changing the wordage and saying, well, see, there's there's peaceful protests and then there's protests and referring to protests as being riots. No, that's not what the Constitution guarantees. The Constitution guarantees what they're calling peaceful protests, which is what they did in Berlin. And, and that that is a protest, right? Martin Luther King, that was a protest. Yeah, but anyway, the stuff they're doing in Portland, the stuff they're doing in Seattle and all these other major cities, those aren't protests. Those are riots. When you're burning a city down, that's a, that's a riot. That's not a protest. But anyway. You're absolutely right. But the problem I think you, you can work into this is also not only that you have the politicians and especially the federal, state and city level, they're giving them cover and then the media is giving them yeah. cover as well. 
So they're yeah. rewriting the narrative, as you said, is you don't want the wordage to be changed. And that's precisely what they're doing. They're changing the wordage. So what, what did we see when Minneapolis started? Uh, this is a protest, um, mostly peaceful. And there's a three story fire raging behind him in the shot. Yeah. So it's it's that they cut to a, a, another C- CNN cut to another anchor. And she says, uh, this is a this is a this is a peaceful demonstration we're seeing out here. And there's a cruiser car on fire at the intersection behind her. You're right. That is not a peaceful protest. And what happens? Out there, they're trying to burn down the federal courthouse. Now they're trying to burn down the Multnomah County courthouse in Portland. So it's like it's not it's not even the, the federal courthouse they're after now. Now they're after the county courthouse. And I think the federal, we, I mean, we can, you mentioned Portland there. We can jump into Portland. But yeah, now they're trying to burn down the county courthouse. And they've continued unabated for more than two months, right? These protests since May 25th. So we're into, what'd you say it was? Uh, 64 days or something? Is that where we are? It says here, late Wednesday, Portland police declared a riot and said they believe an explosive device had been left outside of a precinct. People were ordered to disperse and some streets were closed. This is not a protest. You're leaving IEDs outside of police precincts. 70, the police, 72, by the way. 72 days? Okay. The police chief mm-hmm. said that there have been many large peaceful protests that required no police presence, but the smaller offshoot actions, setting fires, breaking windows, and throwing objects at police are taking away from the larger message. What's that, a Marxist message? Is that what you're endorsing? Because that's what they are. That's not me saying that. I'm explaining it, but that's not me saying that. That's them. Go to their website. That's all you have to do. I mean, that's where we got it because we thought, okay, here's a here's a large political movement that's come up. Okay, let's see what they stand for. They don't hide it. It's out there for everybody to see. Shootings have also spiked in Portland since the defunding of gun violence reduction team over the accusations of racism. Right. They've they've gotten rid of the uh, the special unit that investigated gun violence. That's all gone now. There were ninety nine shootings in July, up thirty five from July last year. The police chief told reporters he doesn't believe the team's actions were racist, even though it arrested more black suspects than anyone else. Is it because they had illegal firearms on them? A lot of those stops end with handshakes and conversation, which is true. And there's a real familiarity and people miss it. We hear a lot of people in the community saying, hey, we need the gun violence reduction team back. Well, then bring it back. You're the police chief. Put pressure on the useless mayor out there, Ted. Well, no, Ted Wheeler. He's a no, he's a he's a punk. He's not going to do anything. He added that taking police off of patrol to cover protests has left fewer officers to respond to emergencies. The protest that is the emergency, is it not? You got to restore law and order. Downtown protests have become more peaceful since federal officers agreed to leave last week. I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. If anything, if it's going to become more peaceful, then that means the protests would pretty much stop, right? Some instigators have moved to other police buildings across the city to cause problems. Well, what do you think? They were just going to leave? Speaking of defunding police, Minneapolis. We talked about Minneapolis. Do you remember they actually voted to disband the police department up there? We talked about it a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Well, the Minneapolis Commission have stopped the proposal to disband the police force. They've blocked the plan that was voted on by the city council. Now it's been removed from the ballot in November. So it's not going to be there. It says it will not appear on the ballot this November. Minneapolis Charter Commission, which includes volunteers responsible for reviewing the city council's June decision to dismantle the department, determined Wednesday that it needs more time to make a definitive recommendation. Uh, A definitive recommendation. They voted to disband the police department. It's not like they it's not like they said, okay, well, we're going to think about defunding. it. No, they said we're going to abolish 
the police department. So the commission voted 10 to 5. I wonder who the five were uh, to take 90 more days to study the measure, meaning there will not be enough time for the measure to make the cut as a ballot initiative this year. They may have bought the city another year, hopefully. Right. So if it's I mean, it would have to go on the ballot the following year. Right. So I, I don't think I mean, unless they unless it shows up on a midterm, which I think those are every six months, depending on locales, if approved, the proposed change would get rid of the city's police department in favor of a Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention. Well, doesn't that sound so loving? Doesn't that sound so peaceful? Mm. Uh, nothing but a department full of social workers and, and public health officials, boxes of Kleenexes all around, because I'm sure that's what it would be. However, some critics have said that the plan was too vague to move forward. They're removing the police. How is that too vague? That's pretty straightforward, if you ask me. The council says, trust us. We'll figure it out after this is approved. Trust us. You know, that sounds like Nancy Pelosi. We've got to pass this bill so we can find out what's in it. We'll figure it out after it's approved. You people do things backwards. Has anyone ever told you that? You're not a progressive. You're a regressive. You don't get rid of something and then say, okay, let me, let me put this another way. You don't say, I'm going to save the environment by getting rid of my car, and you live 30 miles out of town to get to a job. That doesn't help you. You defund the police department. You get rid of the police department. Then you figure out what you're going to do. That's insanity. That's not logical. That's insanity. Now, I've said it before. If you work society to a certain point, if you get society up to a certain point where society can self-govern and people can take care of themselves, they can look out for their neighbors, They have a good, healthy community. They have good, healthy institutions. People have education. People have wealth. People have self-respect. They have dignity. They have responsibility. They have means of being able to take care of themselves, their families, and their neighbors, and look out for the betterment of their town or their community. Then guess what? The crime problem naturally takes care of itself. It goes down because the people in the community get to a point where, hey, we like our lives. We like how peaceful things are. We don't want any troublemaking around here. If you get to that point in a society, then you can start dialing things back. You can start saying, "Okay, well, you know what? It's not feasible for us to be putting all this money into this department or into this bureaucracy or whatever it is, because, well, quite frankly, the people that are in there don't have anything to do. So you reassign them somewhere else or you get rid of that department. See, this is why I'm a big advocate for self-governance because it's worked in the past. It's what got us up to this point. Back in the day in America, what you have, if you had a troublemaker that was around town, Bruce, you're from you're from down in the like deep south midwest. If uh-huh. you had a troublemaker in town back in the day, then the community would usually deal with that person, right? Yeah. It wasn't yep. It wasn't, well, we're just going to have all the police come around and and deal with all this. No, the community would take care of that problem. And when someone would come back around and say, hey, where's old so-and-so? Oh, well, he's not around anymore. Don't know what happened to him. He's just not here. The problem would take care of itself. But see, we've devolved backwards because we've become dependent on the state largely for a lot of things. We've become dumbed down by the television. We've become dependent on social media because now we care about what everyone else thinks. So until we progress back up to that point, until we progress back to where we need to be, since we've regressed because we've listened to these fools for the last half century, then we're not going to reach that point. All of you people that think, okay, well, we're going to defund all of this and we're going to get that utopia. We're going to get that that pie in the sky. You people are idiots. You are absolute idiots. 
society can self-correct. Society can self-govern. And I know that it's possible. I know that it's possible because as I've stated before, I live in a town of 15,000 people. There is no police department. So I know that it can work. Now, is that to say that it can happen overnight? Of course not. It takes a long time to get society to that point. And what's more important is when you get to that point, you have to maintain that level of integrity in the community. You can't let that falter. You have to maintain that. And if you don't, then you will regress. See, we got to that certain point and we didn't maintain that integrity. We allowed ourselves to be compromised socially and culturally in the U.S., as well as economically, I might add. Because when you remove the industrial underpinning, which is what made us great, which is what built our communities, when you remove that aspect from society, well, that's like oxygen being sucked out of the room. Then the drugs roll in, the crime goes up, that becomes the new economy. I, I can't imagine the people in that area being for abolishing police in any area, really. I, I can't imagine the people actually being of that mindset. It, it just completely baffles me. Law enforcement does so much more than just you know enforce laws, right? They're, they're first responders, right? They, they go in and they have some first aid training and stuff. I've seen videos of law enforcement performing um, CPR and whatnot on like an infant child or, you know, I mean, there's just there's so much that they do. Right. So I just cannot imagine wanting to abolish them. Honestly, I, I could see sitting at sitting down and having a discussion about, well, maybe we should have other branches. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it uh, of law enforcement that aren't law enforcement, but I guess equivalent of what they're saying social workers are, right? I, I can see that being an element of it because there are situations with things like any kind of uh, mental health issues, you know, uh, or, or suicide prevention, what have you. I mean, there's a lot of things that law enforcement do that technically social workers could do. I mean, we don't need a militarized response from law enforcement, right? I mean, that's that's one of my beefs actually is law enforcement and their um, how much more militarized they've become and how much more they rely on brute, for ta brute force tactics, you know, but that's another topic. So I, I think there are reforms that we could do. It's just w when you go straight to defunding that <laughs> there's nothing there, like there's nothing we can't sit down and have an agreement or or um, civil discourse. Once you, it, it, you're saying we have to get rid of it, uh, we can't agree on on anything there. Not until you get the social structure to a certain point. Once you get society, once it advances to a certain point and people can largely deal with issues and society can pretty much, you know, agree that, OK, well, it's not the best use of our money because we don't really have all that much in the way of crime. Then you can devolve that part. That's the right. part of society where you can dial back on. And that's that's really something that no one's talking about. No one's talking mm -hmm. about that. Why is that not a talking point somewhere? Why? Because that is real progress. That's why it's not a talking point. That's real advancement of society and real advancement of civilization and real advancement of people. That's what that is. That's people coming together to live in harmony, to work together, to better themselves, better their families, better their communities, better their country. And that's not what they want. That's not what the system wants. The system wants everyone at, at each other's throats. And that's precisely what we're trying to avoid here. We want to bring people together. We want to talk about actual issues. We want to talk about solutions to those issues, the issues that are being ignored, the solutions that work. That's not what's happening. That's not the discourse that we're seeing. 
We're, we're not seeing that in, in any of the mainstream stuff. We're seeing division and hatred from both sides. But no one's talking about how to actually fix the broken society that they themselves have broken. See, they don't have a plan to fix it. If that's what everyone's thinking, they, oh, they're going to fix it. Don't you worry about that. Uh, no, no. They're the ones that broke it. It's up to us to fix it and to deal with them later. You know, I, I have I have faith in people, right? I still have hope in people. It's tough some days, I have to be honest, but I still have faith in people. I have hope that people will do the right thing. And you know, when I see the little sides of it, when I see the little things like, for example, the sports thing we've been talking about the last couple of days, when I see those numbers, when I see the people that are not watching that stuff, that right there, just that in and of itself gives me a little bit of hope because I see that people that are out there in the mainstream that once cared about that, that no longer care are awake enough to see through it. And so that in turn gives me hope that, hey, there is a way to fix this on the other end, right? Now we're going to have to go through some bad times, right? I hate to be the one to break that to you. We're going to have to go through some bad times, right? They've screwed the system so much. We're going to have to go through this. But it's just a matter of how hard that crash landing is going to be. That right there will determine where we're going to come out on the other side of this. That's my standpoint. What, what do you think of that? Uh, I mean, at this point, yeah, there, there's not really a... Oh, it's going to be a rough ride. <laughs> there is going to be a bit of a rough ride before we can really fix things. Um, yeah, but let's talk about uh, something interesting. Just, let's yeah, talk about something interesting. Yeah. Let, let's get all let's get all the depressing stuff. Let, let's talk about something interesting. I, I do love talking about societal issues because that's where I really have. I've really looked at, you know, and I'm not an expert by any means at, at all. Uh, but but I've looked at a lot of history. I've looked at how we've emerged out of you know the, the collapse of the Roman Empire and classical civilization. We've you know the West. We've we've come out of that, and how we started, how we went through that process to to build ourselves up as a civilization, and the things that worked and the things that didn't work. And it's important to understand those things because those are the building blocks of any civilization. Now, civilizations rise and fall. Nations rise and fall. Of course, they do. That's just a natural cycle of things. There's no reason to think that we've got some kind of get out of jail free card or something, right? It's just mismanagement and that's how it is. But it's a matter of where we go from here, right? We're at the end game of this. The elites have brought us to this point. We're at the end game. Now we have to figure out who's going to determine the next way. Are we going to go for that fourth age of expansion? Are we the people going to determine that fourth age of expansion? Or are these losers, these bums that hold public office and the ones that are in the heads of finance capital that are going to meet in January, that are going to take everything you got, are they the ones that are going to determine that? I say no. I say no. And if what I saw in Berlin is any message from the German people at this point, then they say no too. And that right there, 500,000 people on the streets, oh, that scares the living hell out of those people. They don't like that. But like I said, let's talk about something positive. <laughs> let's let's get off of this. I'll get off my soapbox. Bruce, you like video games. Yeah, I like a game. I like a good game from time to time. I really don't have much time for mm -hmm. it anymore, but I, I like a good game. But gaming is one of those things that have kind of surged in all this, right? People have been home. They haven't had a lot to do. Not really mm -hmm. much going on for people. So they got to occupy their time somehow, right? I mean, there's only so right. much Netflix you can watch. There's only so much uh, Amazon Prime you can watch. 
but a lot of people mm-hmm. have been playing video games. Nintendo has reported a 428% surge in profits. That's just one company. I can only imagine what some of these other companies, Microsoft with their Xbox, uh, Sony with their PlayStation, Valve with uh, Steam and their, their PC stuff. And then, of course, you got Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's any. Google's now got a thing. I, I just saw the other day, I got an email on it. Google has started, which I don't play any mobile games or anything like that, but Google has started a uh, what they're calling a play pass, which their Google Play Store, you can get a play pass. It's now I think it's $9.99 a month or something like that or $7.99, whatever it is. And you can do all this. Microsoft has done that. They, they've been doing that for a couple of years. Other companies out there, such as EA, which is Electronic Arts, I think Epic's another one. They've been doing some of that stuff. These are all going subscription-based. And then, of course, Nintendo, I think they're doing their own thing now. I don't know. I, I don't have any Nintendo products. I, I haven't had any of that since I was a kid. But well, that's not true. I had a Wii because those <laughs> because it was cool. But, I mean, that was like yeah, 10, 15 years ago. But, or, yeah, 15, 20 years ago uh, or whenever it came out. No surprise. That was something to be expected. When you're stuck at home, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, as you said, watch Netflix. Well, if you're tired of the politics and whatnot, oh, maybe maybe you can go and watch sports. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, those didn't start up until just recently. And they're now inundated with politics and, and social justice warrior nonsense. And, you know, their numbers are down. So personally, I would much rather sit down and play a video game. I would, you know, you can play a multiplayer, interact with other people on a, on a video game. You can run with your friends, your buddies, whatever. Single player games, just chill and play at your own pace. Some games have storylines that are better than movies or just as good as movies, but they're interactive. I mean, it's no surprise, really. Yeah, I, I just I think that's going to be a big medium for for entertainment, especially stuck at home. And you look at where games are now compared to where they were even 10 years ago. They've come a long way. They, they've really come a long way. And of course, now we've got things like, which I, I I can't even imagine doing something like this now with this VR stuff. I can't even imagine doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just looks nauseating. But more to the point, I mean, I don't have time to play a lot of games. What, what about the people like myself that really don't have a lot of time these days to play games? But I mean, even so, here's where I'm at. Because, I mean, I, I used to play some games, but I don't anymore. And now it's to the point where maybe you can explain this to me. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but like, I feel like at this point, it's just, it's more of a distraction. Like, I I understand that, you know, it's kind of like your escape and and stuff like that. You kind of want to take your stuff out of it. But a lot of these things are inundated with all these, these things now, like uh, even Call of Duty jumped on board with this BLM crap. And that's mm-hmm. all over their stuff. And Ubisoft yeah. gave money to them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's an independent AAA company. So Activision, largely, I mean, that's the company that does Call of Duty franchise. They do World of Warcraft and, and all that stuff. And they're on board with all that stuff. And it's like, you're being inundated with this stuff. I mean, now that makes me not care even more. I mean, I was already starting to step back from it because, I mean, we're you know doing a lot more here and it's just don't have time. But, and of course, we still have a life to live. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. I, just don't have time. And I got to, I mean, I got a stack of books here that I'm like, I, I'm, I keep getting all these books and I'm like, I, you know what? I got to read all this stuff. I don't have time for this. So with all of, I mean, you know, that aside, the SJW stuff, that's causing people to walk away. Longtime gamers, that's causing people to walk away. I talked to people that I used to uh, game with, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. They don't do it anymore either. Me personally, it's going to take quite a bit to get me to walk away from it because it is it's been honestly, it's been an escape for me for I don't know, since I was well, really, I started gaming when I was like five. So 
you know, it's been a part of my life for a long time. So for me to step away from it, it has to be really bad as far as the social justice stuff. Most of the games that I play don't have any of that in there. But I mean, I play games with like family members, you know, I'll sit down mm-hmm. and play a game with them or something and run with them. So it's it's a way for us to to interact when we're disconnected. You know, we're, we're in two different places. So it's you know, it's a it's an easy way for us to stay, stay in contact with one another. And it's something we both enjoy. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like going out, you know, fishing or something with them or or, you know, something on those lines. It's not you're not actually physically there and enjoying the, the scenery and everything, but it's it's the best you can that. come with you know come to with uh you know in the middle of a pandemic when you can't do anything you know so yeah it, it's a uh, for me it's kind of a there is an element of nostalgia to it there's an element of uh you know like i said interacting with family and and friends and whatnot so you know you bring up an interesting point right there and that is interacting with people especially with uh with not being able to physically be there well that's the ultimate social distancing isn't it in in all this yeah now they're arguing about well kids don't have that social structure maybe that's not true in all cases maybe you could equate gaming to that but gaming also kind of it doesn't really I, i guess you can't really say that they don't teach you anything because there are games out there that are learning games right yeah. So there's a lot of games that are based on history and they have some, you know, like your uh, a lot of your war games and whatnot will have bits of history in there. Uh, even some of the ones that are more of your you know, knights and older, older, ge- even they'll have history in there and you'll learn bits and pieces. There's many things like it kind of keeps you on your toes with uh, math and that sort of thing. Reading. I mean, there's elements in there that you learn there's words that you'll come into exposure to that you wouldn't otherwise have come into exposure to unless you were an avid reader. As an example, you also have, you mentioned VR earlier, virtual reality. A big popular free game, if you want to call it that, is VR chat. And that's really popular among the virtual reality world. And it's literally you and a bunch of other people essentially in a virtual chat room. And you're, you, talk and there's all kinds of different worlds and places they can make and generate and things to do and all kinds of stuff. But I mean, so there is an element of social interaction. It's not the same as being there in person, you know, because you get uh, the body language and and everything involved as well, right. where you don't get any of that. I mean, you kind of get it in VR a little bit, you know, because you, you, you've got hand gestures and things and they also have motion tra- uh, tracking for things like your your legs and torso and everything so you can go more advanced in that sense but it's not quite the same but it's a it's a good alternative when you can't when you can't you know be there in person i've also seen that there are some of these companies that are experimenting with things like this as far as showing movies and doing like concerts and things like that, you can do the virtual side of it. So you'll have the person up yep. there on stage or you'll mm-hmm. have the movie theater around you. And you're obviously like you're sitting in your chair or whatever. But in the VR, you have in the virtual reality, you have the, th- the movie theater around you. You've got the screen and you've got your friend sitting next to you. So the VR chat, which I was mentioning, you can actually do that already. And in, in that game, interesting, you can sit there's there's worlds that you can sit down and watch videos together. I mean, 
if the video is online, you can you can pull it up and, and watch it pretty much. You know, I've not experienced it myself, but I know people that have. And yeah, you, YouTube videos, whatever it is, you know, you can sit down and watch it together. And if you make the you, you make the room that you guys are in uh, public, you can have ran, random people come in and join you, you know, and sit and talk, uh, watching the watching a movie or show or something. Do you think that that will be successful? Do you think we're going to see more of that going forward? And the reason I ask is because now we're seeing like Apple's going to come out with this new glass thing, right? Like this is what Google tried to do with their glass, but it never really worked. But Apple, mm-hmm. I think I think they're 599 these glasses and it's your iPhone screen in the lens, isn't that how it works? And then you can see everything. Isn't that, isn't that how this is going to work? So essentially you're That's- overlaying your overlay. It's kind of like what Microsoft is doing with their HoloLens. And it's like Minecraft, Minecraft, for example, right? That's a big game. Everybody knows Minecraft. Okay. Mm-hmm. HoloLens, one of their advertising points for HoloLens was Minecraft. You could build a world on your coffee table. I guess I'm looking at the VR aspect of it is it's going to be largely accepted by people. And GP and I were talking about this probably four or five years ago. And he says, no one's going to take to this unless it's overlaid on something we already know. So Apple's breaking that boundary. Microsoft is breaking that boundary with that. Google is doing that with their glass system. They're trying to. It hasn't quite gotten there yet. Samsung, right? I I mentioned this. we We did a view on this and we talked about it. The company Samsung patented heads up technology in contact lenses. So you can see what's going on on your smartphone screen. It'll be overlaid in your eye. It's essentially you're one step shy of an optical implant, So, which corrective lenses kind of already are an implant. It's just you can remove them. But essentially, we're getting close to there. And GP was, and I were talking about this like four or five years ago. He says it has to be something that's overlaid over society that we already know. That's how people are going to see it as an advancement, something that we can go forward with. And that's how people will largely accept it. What do you think? This is, yeah, so uh, specifically Apple Glass, that's going to be out in the next year, maybe two years, um, is what I'm seeing here. So I'm, I have, I have mixed feelings about this one. If they can do an augmented, because this, this is considered augmented reality. Um, if they can do something that is non-intrusive, that is, for example, if I'm going window shopping and I have some, uh, some of these glasses on, you know. And I'm looking at clothing and whatnot, and it pops up with an ad with clothing, food, whatever it is that the, that's there in, in my uh, glasses. I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with those glasses. I'm not I, I, I don't like commercials. I, I, I don't need that, you know. But if it if it allows something like a button on the glasses or something or, or a gesture or what have you, you know, that you can press to get more information on whatever you're looking at or something of to that effect. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. But if it's going to be something I can't control directly, no. I I don't want to be constantly inundated with whatever they want me to see. That that concerns me when you start so we we've kind of talked about it before in in other uh, podcasts. Mind control, all you have to do for mind control is alter someone's perception, right? You just have to alter how they perceive the world, how they mm-hmm. hear things, right? And that can change. That, essentially, that's mind control. Convince a population that they're being oppressed and they will feel oppressed and they will believe they're uh, oppressed. 
when they're actually not oppressed. In fact, there's some of the most they have some of the greatest benefits in the world. Um, Sounds familiar. We're, we're seeing that. Yeah. Same with these glasses. If they show you constantly the things that they want you to see, it's very it, it would be easy to to um, engineer people, you know, socially engineer people. So I have mixed I have mixed feelings on it. I think they're already there with social media, though. As far as like social engineering and things of that nature, steering mass movements and and looking at how people think. But they've gotten it to the point now where they've ratcheted that thing up so much. They've warped society so much with it that now they've just got largely lunatics and crazy people on there. And now they're starting to eat their own. So, Yeah. yeah, I guess I was just looking at the advancement of like gaming and because gaming has brought virtual reality, virtual reality has brought augmented reality. Right. So we see a progression there. Kind of like what you started with, with interacting with family members and friends and things like that that you can't physically be with in a virtual sense. And then, of course, you progress to that. So you really don't lose that social connection. And it's there. It's there. And as you get closer to augmented reality, successful augmented reality, then you can have that person or that family member who's 5,000, 10,000 miles away on the other side of the planet. You can have that person sitting next to you having a conversation and you can see each other, right? It's that. I mean, we can kind of already do that with like Skype and stuff, but imagine if you could go over and sit at somebody's house, right? Imagine if you could do that. I mean, virtually, of course, because we haven't quite reached transporter technology, (laughs) but virtually, I'm speaking virtually here. Imagine if you could go and you could sit at somebody's dinner table and have a conversation with them. You're having a cup of coffee on your end. They're having a cup of coffee and you're literally looking at each other interacting. I guess that's kind of where I'm looking at it. And it's it's coming, right? It's it's coming. It's not a matter of if we're going to get there. It is coming. Right. It's just a matter of time. I mean, science fiction, they've played with that idea before to where you would have like a space that you would stand in. It basically allows you to see that person and they're able to see you in real time. And you're having a conversation as if you're actually there with each other. Um, You know, science fiction has played with that idea before. VR is kind of a step in that direction, sort of. The difference is with VR, you're actually seeing an avatar it's it's only a, a a cartoon representation of you or whatever whatever you choose um in in many cases uh so we're we're moving that direction technology is heading that way as things get smaller as things get faster you'll start seeing that as much as i could sit here and continue to talk about all that stuff uh, unfortunately we're out of time so we're gonna have to go but thank you for sitting down today bruce great conversation man as always i thought uh thought today was was really nice and i can't believe we're in an hour already i, I really can't believe that time just yeah, flies I swear time flies. I'm like, where in the world did, uh, can we get some of that time back? Sometimes these hour ones, man, 45 minutes to an hour, that, that's not enough. But, you know, we do that on purpose because an hour, usually that's enough time. That That's usually enough time. But sometimes we're just like, no, we just yeah, we, we have to run over because the topics we cover are just, you know, it's, it's, to, to us, it's just too important. But anyway, yes, we are going to have to go. But for those of you who have not, you would like to please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parler. Love hearing from all of you. Love getting your feedback. And we would really appreciate if you drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Vote our podcasts up and things of that nature. You can follow me. I'm at Jay Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, I wanted to mention that if you do like what you're hearing, we would appreciate it if you would 
hit that follow button, hit that uh, like button, subscribe to us, rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast Store or anywhere else you can rate us. That would be great. And also, please do give us a uh, do give us a mention to friends and family. We like to maintain a friendly atmosphere. So if you like what you're hearing uh, and you like the work that we do, we would really appreciate it if you would pass us along. If you know somebody that's looking for something that's off mainstream and someone that's tackling real issues and looking at real solutions to real problems, then you could recommend us to somebody. We would really appreciate that. We're on Apple Podcasts, if that's how you listen to us. In the U.S., we're on Pandora. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. And also some of the other ones were on TuneIn Radio, which is accessible through the Amazon device. I'm not going to mention which one it is, but everybody knows. So you can listen to us through that. We're also available on other networks such as Overcast, Stitcher, Deezer, Pocket Cast, Castro, CastBox, Listen Notes, and many more. So yes, we would really appreciate it if you would pass us along. Like I said, we're on just about every network. So again, thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 